thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to the Wellness Guys Show with wellness experts Dr. Lawrence Tam, Dr. Damian Kristoff, and Dr. Brett Hill. Welcome to the Wellness Guys. I'm Lawrence Tam. I'm Damian Kristoff. And I'm Brett Hill. And this is the Wellness Guys Show, a weekly show dedicating bringing wellness into our lives. And wow, this is a great start uh, to this particular podcast. Now, Damien, you got some background noise there. Where are you at the moment? You must be uh, at a hotel somewhere. I'm in a hotel. I'm actually uh, swanning it up with all the um, the other half of the population living at the Sofitel at the moment. So Sofitel in Melbourne just completed a metagenic seminar. So I'm upskilled. I've got some CBD points. I'm now requalified. So, uh, I'm feeling smart again. I feel smart again. Well, we're going to have to rely on your smartness today because we're going to be talking about today about the common ailments. What's well, one of the big questions that we had from our last a couple of podcasts ago when we talked about, you know, when we answered questions. And one of the questions was, what are some of the common ailments and how can we solve those problems? And we thought we'd dedicate a whole episode on this because there's just so much stuff to cover. Um, one of the first things that happens a lot, as we mentioned, in America at the moment, you know, they're heading into their winter months. And as we head into our summer month and I'm down here in Australia, a lot of people get these colds and flus and, and they blame it. It's like, oh, this person, I got it from this person. I got it from, you know, the bus or the plane or whatever. Let's talk about, you know, how do we, you know, I guess, take care of the common cold or the flu? What, how, what do we do? Brett, I think you should start with this. Well, I think, I think you've got to start first by talking about prevention, don't you? Because so, mm. you know, as you said, so often we're talking about, well, how do I catch this flu? Where do I get it from? Who gave it to me? You know, all that sort of stuff. Or it's sort of like, well, it's going around the office, so of course I was going to get it. And, but what you find is, you know, if, if all those people in your office, if they all get into the same elevator and someone in there's got this raging flu and they're coughing and sneezing all over everybody, then, you know, let's say there were 12 people in that elevator. Not all 12 of them are going to get the flu. Right? Some of them will get it. Some of them will get it really bad. Um, some of them will seem to not get much of a reaction at all and some of them seem to get nothing at all. And so the difference is not necessarily actually the bug that's been sneezed all over them because it's actually been the same bug, but it's actually how strong they are and how well they're dealing with it and how their body's dealing with it. So you know, as we always talk about on the wellness guys, you've got to go back and look at prevention. You've got to look at your lifestyle, what sort of stuff you're eating, what sort of food you're doing, what sort of exercise you're doing, you know, whether, whether you're getting enough rest, or, you know, all of those basic things you've got to think about before you start thinking about, well, what do I do now that I've got it? Um, but assuming you've gotten to the stage where you've got it, then there's there's other stuff you can do as well. And I know, I'm sure Damien's got some really good insights into that too. But you know, a lot of the time it's just the simple things. Um, and sometimes the things that you know your grandma used to tell you. So you know, getting a nice uh, you know nice veggie soup, getting some good nutrients into you to give yourself a chance, allowing yourself to get some rest is obviously really important in terms of your immune response and allowing your body to heal. Um, you know, you want to make sure uh, you know. Not overdoing it in terms of exercise is probably pretty important when you're actually going through a flu. You don't want to be stressing your body out and tiring your body out even more than it has to be. Uh, but as you're starting to recover, then sometimes exercise can help your body sort of detox and, and clear out and clean out a bit as well. So, you know, there's a whole range of different things. Like I said, Damon, I'm sure you've got a bunch of things to add to that list as well. I think before we go into the um, the cures, I guess, quote unquote, cure, I think just adding on to what you said, Brad, I think it's important for people to understand that, you know, you are, is your immune system that keeps you in check. You're exposed to millions of bacteria, millions of viruses that are, you know, inside your body already that's ready to pounce on you whenever, you know, whenever you lower that immune system. But I think the number one thing that creates the, our lower, you know, that causes lowered immune system is stress. 
So it's a, you know, avoiding stress, but knowing when you're going to be under stress and taking care of yourself during those times. Because, I mean, think about all of us and we're in practice all the time. We get exposed to hundreds of people every single week and, you know, they're, you know, carrying their diseases and viruses and all that stuff. But like I said, you know, we don't usually get sick simply for the fact that we keep our immune system strong. And most of the time that, you know, whenever I do get, you know, under a condition where I am, um, you know, I might get a, a, you know, quote unquote cold, it's only simply because I know I've been overworked. It. I've been staying up later because I'm doing something or I'm traveling too much. And so there's a whole bunch of things that create that. So stress is the major factor. So reducing the stress and removing the stress completely is a very important way to, to prevent yourself. So Damien, let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, if you do have it, you're processing this, you know, quote unquote cold or virus or bacteria, what are some of the common things that we can do um, to help, help boost our immune system to recover faster? Well, boys, there's a couple of things. There's a couple of reasons why somebody might uh, experience symptoms of a cold or a flu. And I think it's important to acknowledge that. So you've kind of got um, the hyperactive immunity or you've got the hypoactive immunity. So you've got either the immune system's going mental um, or the immune system's underperforming. So the underperforming immune system will require a different approach to the um, hyperactive immune system. Okay, so let's, let's just start with that. So the underactive immune system is going to require... Um, Nourishment, so it's going to need uh, vitamin C. It's going to need B vitamins. It's going to need zinc. It's going to need um, some herbs. So herbs such as andrographis and um, cat's claw and, and those sorts of things, where the body needs some support to become more robust. I suppose is what you'd have to say there. Yeah. And, and so be, yeah, vitamin D into that one, I would say as well. Yeah, you? I was just about to go into vitamin D because vitamin D kind of because it's a, horm- like a precursor to hormones. It, it's beneficial in the balancing of the immune system, so it's good for both underactivity and overactivity. Vitamin D, so it's got a it's got a very balancing, nourishing role um, with the immune system, but with you know so many different systems throughout the whole of the body, vitamin D. Is so important, you know, in particular, um, the immune system, but also cognition, nervous system repair, uh, bone growth, um, and just general development, health and well-being. So, you know, it's very, very important to maintain your vitamin D status. So, spot on there, Bredo. With the hyperactive immunity, which, you know, we can, we can, you know, often see uh, where we get a, a purulent sort of um, consistent, constantly running clear mucus. That's that cold that's the early stage where the immune system goes, you know what, I'm going to go and mount a massive response, a massive attack. The underactive immune system is where it's green and yellow. That's where the infection's got the better of you. The hyperactive immune system is where it's all clear. So with that, then you kind of got to settle things down a little bit. You've got to kind of nourish the mucus membranes. And in order to do that, Oh, speaking of mucus membranes, that was excellent. Um, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for that, LT. Oh, come on, just, just, just a little putting sound, sound, sound effects with it. Just wondered whether or not you thought you were on mute then or not. No, no, I'm, I'm actually not. producing sound effects. I'm, that's, my, yeah, right. that's my thing. I want to put some input in here. <laughs> I love it, I love it. I think almost all of the sofa just heard that one. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so within that regard, what we'd use is some probiotics. So the probiotics, um, in particular, Plantarum V299 as a strain, will actually down-regulate the hyposecretory mucous membranes and actually assist the body in secreting something called um, secretory IgA. And secretory IgA actually helps to um, protect and provide a biofilm um, in, on the mucous membranes that protect our body from infection. So if the bacteria can be encased in this biofilm and then removed from the rest of the body, then the body does really well. But if the bacteria can't be contained, which is the case in an underactive immune system, then the, the uh, infections will become rampant. 
change. Mm. That's, that's interesting about the hyper and hypo. I think that's a really interesting take on that too as well. But one of the things too that I don't know about you guys. I'm well, I know about what you guys would do. One of the first things that we do, wait for it, we all get adjusted, right? That's one of the first things that we would do. And I do. Of, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Two or three times a day. Exactly. And one yeah. of the people, you know, most of the, some of the listeners who are um, who may not know what chiropractors do and wondering why would you go see a chiropractor when you're cold and we have a cold or a flu, it's simply for the fact of that we want our nervous system to be, you know, fully functional. I mean, let's think about what the immune system is. And and then, I remember someone asking me this question when I was in uh, uni a long, long time ago. And he says, you know, where is the immune system? You know, like you, you tap at the circulatory system, you can kind of know the, where the heart is, you know where the blood's blood vessels are, you know, but when you think about the immune system, like where is it specifically? Is it any particular organ? It's actually, you know, when you think about it, immune system is just a combination of all the organs working together as one. And if the, and one of the things that what chiropractors do for the nervous system is about making sure all the nervous system, well, the nervous system is clear and functional so that all the organs and glands and everything else in the body works fully 100%. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, I personally would get adjusted uh, regularly and also more importantly during, especially when I'm going processing through something is because I want to make sure my nervous system is fully clear so it can actually work the best potential that I can have. But the other thing too as well is that most people do when they have a cold or a flu is that they want to get rid of the symptom per se, you know, whether it be the runny nose or the cough or the, um, the mucus or the fever. And I think it's important to understand that the symptoms that you're experiencing is actually what your body's trying to do to save your life. You know, a fever, for example, when fever's going up, your body's actually trying to raise the temperature, kind of slow the, um, the body down to, you know, slow the bacteria down um, or the virus to kind of slow it from replicating. And the cough, for example, is getting mucus out of your body. And so one of the things that when we try to get rid of the symptom per se, and all we're doing is actually trying to stop the process of what your body's going through is actually trying to heal. And I think it's important to realize that what you're doing and taking cough syrup or cough medicine medication is not necessarily making yourself healthier. You're just basically trying to make, you know, decrease the symptoms so you actually feel better. Yeah, so that's, that's a great point, point, LT. Love it, mate. And uh, the other thing I thought was worth mentioning in terms of this is just hydration, something that I think is often overlooked as well. And you know, you're talking about this mucus and trying to get rid of these bugs and help your body clear and clean out. And obviously making sure you're well enough hydrated so you can do that so you can actually relinquish some of those fluids is actually a really good idea as well. And so um, particularly when you're going through a cough or a cold or a flu or something like that, really keeping yourself really well hydrated I think is a really important part of that as well. <clears throat> All right, well, let's move on to a couple of other common ailments that we might be experiencing or people might be experiencing um, that we can actually solve. Uh, what about sinusitis? What would, again, what would you do there? Well, again, this here is the classic hyper hypersensitive immune system because not everybody gets sinusitis, right? Mm. Um, and in particular, hay fever. You know, not everybody gets hay fever, but we're all exposed to the same amount of, you know, pollen in the air or the same amount of bacteria in the environment. Like we've all got access to it, but when we actually have a hypersensitivity of the immune system, then we'll mount a massive immune response to that um, little bacteria or a little bit of pollen, which is seen as being um, an inappropriate response uh, to an insignificant stressor. Uh, and I suppose that's that's what we've got to keep in mind here is that it's 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 not a proper it's a it's a response that's exaggerated essentially and it's it's too much of a response for what's actually going on. So you'd want that sort of response where there's a massive infection, but not that sort of response where there's a little bit of pollen. Um, and we see this with all kinds of atopia, so things like eczema, asthma, hay fever. Um, and in this case, sinusitis, where it's just gone too far and the sinuses have become absolutely congested and now inflamed 
and uh, and that that becomes very very painful. But again, it comes back to the mucous membranes. Now, bearing in mind that most of the immune system of the body, around seventy to eighty percent of the immune system, actually resides in the gastrointestinal system. So it's really important to make sure that the gastrointestinal system is in really good nick. And guess what, guys? Guess what controls the gastrointestinal system? The nervous system, right? So if, we, if we've got a great quality nervous system, we've got good quality bacteria going into our body and we've got good quality foods going into our body, then we're not going to mount these hypersensitivities of the immune system. So we get a massive hypersensitivity of the immune system is because one of three things is wrong. Either the bacteria balance in our gut's wrong, where our nervous system's not working correctly, or there's a, a um, chemical insult on our body, most probably from food, um, on our body that's significant enough to actually mount an immune response in our gut, which has now travelled up our mucous membranes into our sinuses. Mm. Yeah, and I think that's such a great point, Damo, is you know, when you start looking at that excessive immune response, then you're really talking about often the inflammatory response in the body as well. And I know we've talked about this in previous episodes. We've talked about those foods that can increase your inflammation or you know, how stress can increase the inflammation in your body. But it's, it's often that more general inflammatory response that's overactive that you need to address. And, and then it's you know, the stimulus, whatever it is, is often just the, you know, the straw that breaks the camel's back. It's not actually necessarily the problem. It's just the final straw that actually tips it over the edge. The problem is that you're actually so close to the edge because you've got this generalized inflammatory response going on in the body because of all those lifestyle factors that, like I said, I know we've d- dedicated whole shows to before to talk about. Mm. I remember a couple of years back, um, Damien, when you, when I actually injured my wrist, um, you know, just from, I think it was, I think it was actually from playing sport or whatever. And I had a really bad, and I, you know, as a chiropractor, I had to use my wrist quite a bit and I had to tape it over and over again. I remember um, actually developing like an allergic reaction to the tape. And what was really interesting was that when you told me one of the, your solution was to actually increase my probiotics. And I was like, what? I was like, wow, that's, that's crazy. What do you mean probiotics? And, and it worked. It was amazing to actually balance the gut, actually reduce the inflammatory allergic reaction onto my skin. And so could you just explain a little bit how that works? Yeah, absolutely. Again, that's that's all about um, that whole inflammatory response. Like the body responds at a systemic level to a little bit of inflammation. So a little bit of inflammation in around the wrist will result in inflammation throughout the whole of the body. So it's really important to make sure that you manage that inflammatory response. And one of the best ways to manage the inflammatory response is to get the gastrointestinal system under control. So you can decrease inflammation via the gut um, systemically, which is the same as any of the drugs that get used, for example, let's look at the COX-2 inhibitors or the non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, all of those work through gastrointestinal system um, in blocking uh, immune uh, hyperactivity uh, in those particular areas. And Damon, I know you've spoken before about some of the, the surgeries and stuff that can go on for those sinusitises and obviously without you know, giving medical advice and those sort of things, you might like to talk about those as well? Yep. Sorry, guys. I thought that I was just about to lose my connection then. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, look, you're going to have to ask that question again. I'm sorry, mate. <laughs> I was just asking about, you know, obviously some of the surgical interventions that sometimes people will end up with if they have got chronic sinusitis. Um, yes. And I guess maybe oh, the effectiveness yes. of those, and I know you like to talk about those, and, and as I said, without yeah. necessarily giving medical advice, that would be a good thing yep. to perhaps talk about. Yeah, absolutely. But here's the thing. like Surgery has a very... Um, 
a very suitable place to play in the management of uh, chronic disease and chronic health conditions where the body has no longer got the ability to get on top of things. Now, one of the things that's probably the most difficult area of the body to get access to because there's very little blood supply to this area is the sinuses. And unfortunately, it doesn't repair very well. And because it's mainly lined with mucous membrane, there's not a really massive blood supply to the area. And so when you go in there and you start scraping things out, you actually start a whole lot of irritation, a whole lot of inflammation in that area, which is very, very prone to infection because when you breathe through the nose, you're taking up a whole lot of air. And many people have lost their adenoids. Some people have lost their tonsils. And as a result, there's a whole lot of immune system actually now missing from their from their upper part of their body, from their head and from their neck and their throat. So when you take the tonsils out, you take the adenoids out, you're actually missing a whole lot of your... Um, I suppose, primary immune system that uh, would otherwise mount a response. Now, when you go in and you start to scrape out the sinuses to take out any kind of infection or to, um, you know, to do biopsies or whatever, then you actually end up with a massive big problem. Mm. You get... oh, sorry, guys. I was just lost you there for a second. Um, Damon, I, with the next one we actually have on our list, I think that uh, you're going to love because I know you love this part of the body. Um, we're going to talk about gastro. Um, oh, and, and, and poos and diarrhea. So, the, you know, wh what do we do there? What are some of the common things that you can think of um, that uh, people... Well, let's figure out why it happens and then let's talk about uh, what are some of the common common things to kind of fix it or, you know, quote-unquote fix it. Yeah, cool, cool. All right, well, it's really important with gastro or with diarrhea or the runs, the trots, whatever, you, whatever you've got, um, that you try and work out whether or not it's a result of... Um, a, an infection, or whether it's a result of a sensitivity, or whether it's an allergy, or you know something like that. So it can be a can be a number of different things. But if it's infection, then you've got to get on top of the infection first. So you've got to use herbs and pre and probiotics to get on top of those sorts of uh, problems because the infections uh, can be very very. Um, damaging to the body, it can be very, very damaging to the gastrointestinal system, uh, to the mucous membranes, and can lead to other sensitivities throughout the whole of the body um, following that infection. So infections, you must get on top of very, very quickly. And after an infection, you need to make sure you're taking probiotics, which is good bacteria, for at least three to six months. Now, if you've had antibiotics, and that's caused diarrhea or gastroenteritis, then you have to take probiotics for sometimes probably, um, I don't know, probably... 12 to 24 months. If you speak to Cindy O'Meara, she says 24 months. Um, if you look at some of the journals, they say for a lifetime because once you've taken antibiotics, you'll never, ever repair the gastrointestinal bacteria. So, Damo, how do you figure out wh which of those it is, like whether it is actually an infection or whether it's an allergy or whether it's an intolerance and that sort of stuff? Like, is that something you need to see a naturopath for or what's the best way to figure that out? Um, if it's an allergy or an intolerance, it's actually very, very similar. So the primary thing here is, again, getting back to that whole secretory IgA thing that we just spoke about before, that there's a lack of secretory IgA in the gastrointestinal system. So there's a lack of tolerance to anything going through the gut. So that could be a sensitivity to a bacteria. It could be a sensitivity to a food item. It could, be, And that could be a sugar or a protein. So it could be... Uh, there's a whole lot of stuff there that uh, that can be part of that whole thing. But in order to find out what's going on, you do need to seek the help of a professional. You just can't walk into a pharmacy, get any kind of a kit and just you know do a stool analysis there and get them to check it out. You've got to see a health professional. So it could be an integrative GP. It could be a naturopath. You can even ask a chiropractor because your chiropractor will be able to tell you who's doing it. Most chiropractors probably won't be doing it, but uh, you, could, you could actually ask them and they could point you in the right direction. 
So, Damien, a couple of things. Um, what about, uh, we're going to move on to another topic. What about arthritis? I mean, that's a big common ailment that uh, we are experiencing, um, you know, with our practice practice members and stuff. So, you know, what are some of the solutions there? Arthritis is uh, obviously, there's a number of different arthritis. I think there's about 80 or 90 different arthritis um, that are commonly spoken about these days, but classified into a number of different, um, I suppose, classifications. So you've got the arthritis, which is associated with uh, wear and tear, and so that wear and tear is known as osteoarthritis. Then you've got the uh, the autoimmune disease arthritis, and there's there's a couple of those that we tend to that we tend to talk about. So there's a psoriatic arthritis, which people who have psoriasis tend to have, and then there's a rheumatoid arthritis, which is a, a systemic autoimmune inflammatory condition. And then there's a reactive arthritis, which can be a result of um, drug exposure, ph- like pharmaceutical drug exposure, bacterial exposure. Um, or it could, in fact, be a food-based exposure, you know, another chemical exposure. So, um, a reactive arthritis is a, is a different one. But essentially, f- f- in, you know, for all intents and purposes, you've got to calm the inflammation down. That's really important. So, fish oils are really important there. There's a number of different herbs that you can use. So, boswellia is really good. Quercetin is really good, and turmeric, in particular, is is very, very good. But there's an extract of hops, which is very, very powerful. So, the combination of hops, turmeric, boswellia. Um, are very, very powerful in reducing inflammation in the joints across the board, whether it be an autoimmune, a reactive, or a degenerative arthritis. So that's really, really important. Fish oil as well. And then the other thing that um, continues to be brought up time and time again, has been for the last 20 years, is glucosamine and chondroitin. And it's very, very important to make sure that you're choosing the right sort of glucosamine and chondroitin. But generally, you'd use glucosamine and chondroitin for a degenerative type arthritis where the highline cartilage of the joint needs to be rebuilt. And, uh, and that's very, very effective. So we're talking about a number of different anti-inflammatory herbs. We're talking about fish oils. And then we're also talking about the highline cartilage repair, which is the, the glucosamine and the chondroitin. And uh, Damo, one of the things I've just gotten into recently, which sort of fits in there, is is making bone broth. And I know a lot of people talk about that in terms of you know helping out the cartilage and, and giving you some of those nutrients as well. You know, how does that fit into that picture? Is that is that useful? Is that beneficial? Yeah, I would suspect so. I think if you're going to get bone broth, or even if you're going to grind down bones and, and get all those sorts of nutrients from the bones that would exist in in bone mass, all of those would be beneficial for the body. I think the one thing to keep in mind is that. Um, whilst most of us would like to not have a leaky gut, most of us who, when I say us, I don't because I don't consume gluten, but when for anybody who consumes gluten actually has a leaky gut. So it's funny, you know, because some of these proteins that you might get from a bone broth if you're actually consuming gluten and you've now got leaky gut, you'll actually have a negative reaction to and you could actually make your problem worse. So be really mindful that if you're going to do gluten and then have proteins coming into your body that are, you know, un you know, not digested and not broken down, and then you're getting into your gut. You might mount a response to that, and it's inappropriate. So that's a whole other story, I suppose, when we talk about gluten and how bad gluten actually is for all humans. But yeah. the nutrients that are in bone broth are excellent, and I'd, I'd highly recommend people using bone broths and even fermented foods. Like we've just made some sauerkraut at home. I know Brennan, we've been talking nice. about sauerkraut for a long time. <laughs> uh, we made our own. We've got it fizzing away in, nice. our, in our cupboard. And, um, and you know, look, to be honest with you, I thought it was going to taste a whole lot worse than what it actually does. But, <laughs> you know, it, it's actually not too bad. But, you, you know, you're getting another source of fermenta- fermented foods into your gut, which is going to provide another type of bacteria into your body, which is going to, again, um, enhance your immune system and downregulate your, immune, uh, your um, inflammatory cytokines and inflammatory responses. 
Nice demo, and I'll get you on to kombucha next demo. Eh? Got the oh no, I've been having kombucha. I've been having, I've been having kombucha. Yeah, I've awesome. been doing my kombucha. I've been having about um, what about half a cup of kombucha a day. I've been having half a cup of uh, um, sauerkraut each day, and uh, what else have we been doing? Beautiful. Been doing lots of stuff. Well, yeah. Back onto yeah. the back onto the arthritis. The one thing I wanted to say about that was really, I think the one thing we've got to get away from in terms of arthritis is this assumption that it's normal and that it's just going to happen as we get older. Mm, you know, yeah, as I said, there's, there's a reason for it, and whether that's because there's an overactive inflammatory response in the body, or whether it's because there's some joint dysfunction there, you know, whatever it is, there's a reason for it. And so often, I mean, you guys would hear this all the time. We get people coming to the practice and they say, "Oh yeah, like I've got this arthritis here going on here, but do you know what? I'm getting old, so that's to be expected. That's normal." Well, that's and, what the x-ray I, report says all the time. It is what it's the like, x-ray report what? says. All the, and, and what I tend to do is I'll get the x-ray and I have a look at it and I say, okay, let's have a look at all these joints in your spine. I say, are all these joints uniformly worn out? And they say, no. And I say, okay, so which of these joints looks good? Which of these joints look bad? I say, okay, well, given this one looks so good and this one looks so bad, you know, how old are each of those joints? And the answer invariably comes back, they're actually the exact same age. And I say, well, given that, does it make sense to you that it's actually age that's causing the problem? Given that this one is the same age as looking great and this one that's the same age as looking terrible, maybe there's something else going on. You know, maybe it's the fact that this area actually hasn't been functioning well over time, which is actually far more important than how old the joint is as a whole. Because, you know, we know that there's normal wear and tear, right? Like your joints when you're 85 aren't going to be the same as they were when you're 25. So there is a degree of normal wear and tear. But what we see day in, day out in practice is accelerated wear and tear. And mm. so often it's passed off as being quote unquote normal wear and tear just because it's so common. So people need to start thinking about arthritis in a different way and stop assuming that it's normal just because it's common. Find out what's actually caused it and then you can start getting some better results. That's right. Great call. Well, talking about, uh, let's move on to something, another topic as we sort of finish up this call. Um, what about headaches? I mean, besides the obvious, you know, go see your chiropractor. Um, <laughs> but uh, is there anything else? What would you add to that? Drink a glass of water. Yeah. Water is so important, <laughs> isn't it? Drink just, Such a big forget one. one glass. Just keep drinking. Yeah. Just keep going. Yeah, yeah. But usually if you get a headache from dehydration, it's already too late. You're already dehydrated, mm. right? So it's going to yeah. take you ages, a couple of hours to get the headache away. And look, a lot of people are going to you know, head for the drugs and take drugs to try and decrease their headaches. But it's not the answer. It's not the way to go. You've got to listen to your body to try and work out what's actually causing your headaches. And when you work out what's causing your headaches, then stay away from that stuff. Now, it's very, very interesting that many people get a migraine. Um, associated with chocolate um, and many people actually get migraines associated with wheat and it, it's so common that this actually takes place that people don't even recognize that that's what actually their driver is. So if you continue to get migraines then you need to consider the reduction or the removal of wheat from your diet and chocolate from your diet. I know it sounds sad but they're the two things that, uh, that tend to be very closely linked to, uh, to migraine headaches. And the other thing that comes in, obviously, in terms of that is posture. You know, posture is such a big thing with so many people sitting down, their head slumping forward, creating a huge amount of tension in that upper, upper neck and upper cervical spine. Great and thought. so really analyzing what you're doing in terms of your posture, how you're actually stressing out your body, even though you may think you're just sitting there doing nothing, that can yeah. actually be really stressful and cause a lot of issues, upper neck, cranial area that can refer up into the head and be closely linked in with the headaches as well. Yeah, I think yeah. it's also important to, to note that headache is not normal. Um, there's the amount of patients or clients that come in and says, Oh, you know, I get headaches. It's pretty normal. I'm like, how often do you get them once a week or once a month? It's not normal. It's not normal yeah. to get a headache. Okay. So, so just, just be clear in that. Um, any other advice on top of the headaches uh, that you have just last advice before we turn, uh, end this podcast? 
Oh, look, I think, you know, consider the headaches might also be eye strain. Um, it might also be um, wearing glasses, like sunglasses all day. It could be squinting. It could be all those sorts of things. Too much time in front of a computer. Like, think about all those things. Like, think about the environmental factors that might be contributing to your, your headache because it may not be just as simple as, uh, as water. It might be something else. But, you know, find, work out whether it makes you disillusioned or, or, you know, delusional, not disillusioned, or di- delusional. Um, if it makes you dizzy or if you, uh, your eyes get fuzzy or your eyesight goes, try and work out whether or not there's other things that go with it because you may need to get the help from someone else um, in your healthcare team. I'm talking about posture too, as I just got a call from a um, someone who asked me to do sort of a quick interview for an article she was writing. She was uh, doing an article on uh, gaming. You know, they have these gaming competitions, uh, video games, and they were saying that last year during this gaming comp- competition that people were passing out. Um, they were, you know, fainting. And, uh, you know, did posture have anything to do with it? <laughs> just thinking, oh, yeah. yeah. So, you know, <laughs> you know, talk about headaches and, and posture. You mean you talk, you think about the kids nowadays too, as well, um, starting from a very, very young age, um, they're building up, you know, their, you know, wear and tear, you know, as we talked about these, these x-ray findings and arthritis, they're starting from a very, very young age and creating these problems. You know, uh, you know, I love my Mac products, but at the end of the day, iPads, iPhones, and all those type of things are actually are creating a, a you know, another problem that we probably never had to deal with, you know, 20, 30 years ago. So just they're be aware. Curse. Of that they're a curse on society. Oh, I can't believe yeah. Lawrence just said something bad about Apple. Yeah, no, I, can't I can't believe, believe it. Hey. It's the truth. It's the truth. All right, guys. Well, <laughs> so make sure you join us on Facebook and let's keep this conversation going. I, I hope you enjoyed this particular episode. But more importantly, while you're on Facebook, go to The Wellness Couch or The Wellness Guys Facebook page. Like us there while you're there. Share this podcast with your friends, family, and other strangers you think that will need a wellness update. And subscribe to us on iTunes while you're there because you know we love our five-star ratings and leave a comment while you're there too on itunes until next week begin creating wellness into your lives lead by example let's change the world health together join us next week on the wellness guy show this has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com check us out on facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash the wellness couch subscribe to each show on itunes and check us out on twitter the wellness couch streaming wellness into your lives Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.